Well, good morning, Bethesda, and those of you who are watching from around the country and around the world, we just welcome you here today to open up your hearts, just to come before the presence of the Lord and to receive what he has for us today. Let's just start with a word of prayer, can we? Lord Jesus, we just, we recognize your right to rule in this place, and we say that we love you, and we declare that you are worthy. Lord, you are worthy, worthy, worthy. And we ask that in these next few moments that your greatness and that your glory would just fill our hearts. That, Lord, that you would move in our spirit with fire and the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we just ask for you to come right now. We thank you that you come as the anointer. We thank you that you come as the anointing. And I ask that you would draw every eye and every heart to King Jesus today. And so, Lord, we ask for your blessing on the word, and we just say again that you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, the main verse that we're going to be reading from is Revelations chapter 6, verse 1. And I want to give you a little background on, on how we got there this morning. I don't know what you've been doing with your time. I don't know if you see this as an opportunity just to saturate and soak in his word and to be caught up in his presence. But there has been a wooing to my heart from the Father to come away and to draw near to him. And so I started reading the book of Revelations a few weeks ago. And I was reading through the chapters and I was, I was just taking it in and, and drinking it in. There's so much of it that was over my head, but I was just trying to be faithful to read through it. When I finished, I felt prompted, I want you to read it again, Stephen. And so I began to read through the pages and the chapters again. And when I finished, something was beginning to ignite inside my heart. I found myself reading through it again. And I would stop in different chapters and I would just saturate and soak in these chapters. And as I just waited on the Lord, as I just cried out to him with the understanding that I could find for these passages, it just seemed like something came clear. And it was this, heaven is so different than earth. Heaven's not under siege today, but heaven is wide open to us through the blood of Jesus. And I found myself looking into heaven. I thought, this is a place where there is eternal power. This is a place of abundant praise and valiant worship. This is a place of abiding peace. And the more and more I turned my eyes towards heaven, the more and more I just saturated in these pages, it was like fresh fire burning inside my soul. I pray as we go through these words today that something of the fire of the Holy Spirit would begin to burn inside of you. Something prophetic would begin to quicken inside of you because I believe these times are short and I believe the Holy Spirit wants to arrest us with his fire, with his power and with the glory of God. Now I'm going to look at chapter 6, verse 1 in a moment. Because in that particular place, we're going to read about the Lamb who opens the scroll, who opens the seals. And we're also going to hear some thunderings from heaven. But before I do that, I want to just back you up into chapter 5 because there's so much to set the context for what's coming in chapter 6. This is a great opportunity to grab your Bibles. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture today. So if you have your devices or if you have your Bible handy, let me encourage you to grab them so we can walk through this together and see what the Holy Spirit would say to us through this time. Let's start with chapter 5. 
And let's read the first five verses together, if you will. And it reads like this. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? No one, no one in heaven, no one in earth, no one underneath the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found anywhere worthy to open, to read, or to look at the scroll. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep, John, but look, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now in the chapter before this, in chapter 4, you have this amazing depiction of the throne room of God. And I would encourage you afterwards to go and read through Revelations chapter 4. It'll inspire you. It will encourage you. But here in chapter 5, it begins with us learning something. And this is what we learn, that there's no one in heaven, there's no one on earth, there's no one beneath the earth who is worthy to take this scroll. There's no one worthy to open it and to read it, to look at it, or have jurisdiction over it. This overwhelms John. In fact, John begins to sob. The Bible says he wept much. And think about it for a moment. The realization that there was something in heaven that no one could understand shocked John. Think about that for a moment. That there was something in heaven that no one could understand. No one in heaven, no one in earth, no one underneath earth. It absolutely overwhelmed John. Now, nobody could look into that scroll or take it. No one could break its seals because the Bible tells us that nobody was worthy. No one in heaven or on earth or underneath the earth. And so John is overwhelmed, and he begins to weep, and he begins to weep. There's nobody worthy to take the scroll. And this is something we don't understand, that he's overwhelmed by it, and he's just weeping, and he's weeping. And suddenly a loud voice comes and says, John, stop your crying and look. This is going to be a theme throughout this message today, and I believe it's a prophetic word. Look, behold. Come and see. Stop crying. Behold. There's a really beautiful picture in the Aramaic version of this. And it tells us this something like this. That John's on his knees. And he's weeping. And here comes the summons from heaven. Quit your weeping. But look. And the idea is as John begins to raise his head to look into heaven. That he has his his head in his hands from all that crying, and he begins to peek through his fingers. You know, this is something that has been a challenge for the church for centuries. Something inside of us really wants to see, but there's a part of us that's afraid about what we will see. Friends, if today you're in hopelessness, 
Today, if you're overwhelmed and you want to move from that place of hopelessness, this place of being overwhelmed, to a place of wholeness, it starts by looking up. It starts by looking at Jesus. Now I want us to continue reading. Over here we're going to continue reading verses 6 and 7. Now let's see what it says. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, shockingly, there had been no one found in heaven and in earth or underneath the earth worthy to take that scroll until right now. And who is this? The Bible tells us it's the Lion of Judah, no less. It is the Root of David. This is the Lamb who was slain and is now alive and standing in their midst. It's the one who has prevailed over death and the grave. Friends, this is Jesus, the only one worthy found anywhere to take the scroll and to claim it for himself. Now this is going to trigger something else. Let's read it. Verses 8 through 14. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, they fell down before the Lamb, each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy, worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made us kings, and you have made us priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked. There it is again. And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands upon thousands. And they said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, to receive strength and honor and glory and blessing. Then every creature which is in heaven, every creature which is on earth, and every creature underneath the earth, as such as there were even in the sea, all of them I heard saying, blessing and honor, glory and power. Be to you who's on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures, they said amen, and the 24 they fell down and they worshiped him, the one who lives forever and ever. This is the lamb that was slain, but who is now alive and standing in their midst. This is the lamb who seizes the scroll. Now you need to remember, John, he had seen the lamb slain. He was an eyewitness at Calvary when the slain and the slaying and slaughter was completed. 
But here, John's looking, and it's no longer the lamb that is being slaughtered, but it is the lamb that is exalted, that is glorified, that is victorious. And friends, let me tell you who the lamb is. It is Jesus the Christ, the victorious one, the almighty glorious one. And listen to what happens when Jesus, in the midst of that place, seizes the scroll, there is an explosion of worship. There is an explosion of sound. There is an explosion of glory. There are waves after waves, like a mighty musical crescendo of worship being offered to the Lord. Let's take a look at it again. It starts with the first wave. It's the four living creatures. It's the 24 elders. And part of what comes out of them is this. You are worthy, worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy, worthy to open its seals. For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. That is then picked up by 100 million plus angels. Just 10,000 times 10,000, plus thousands upon thousands. Over 100 million angels joining the chorus. And their worship says this, Worthy is the Lamb who also was slain. He is to receive power and riches. He is to receive wisdom and strength. He is to receive glory and honor and blessing forever. And as if that wasn't large enough, as if the court of heaven and then all the angelic beings wasn't enough to sing their praise to the worth of the one who had taken the scroll. There is a third wave of worship that comes. It says every creature in heaven, every creature in earth and under the earth, including those that are in the sea, that they begin to raise their voice. And as one cried out this, blessing, honor, glory. Power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. I read that and I think about a scripture from Philippians that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord of all above the earth, on the earth, and below it. Amen. This moment, it's so massive. This moment's so holy. It's so unprecedented. The lamb taking the scroll and worship and glory and sounds of blessing break out everywhere. Now you may be asking, what's the big deal about the scroll? Well, I went back and I really liked the way my dad described it years ago. He said this, only Jesus has the ability, and only Jesus has the authority to hold the future in his hands. He is the one who brought time into being. He is the creator of all things, and it all belongs to him. Let me just step aside and make a point. Friends, coronavirus is not going to destroy this world. Friends, the markets and the economic systems are not going to destroy this world. In fact, China's not going to destroy this world, 
Russia's not going to destroy this world. Iran or any other country that you can name will not be destroying this world. Why? Because it belongs to the Lamb. It belongs to Jesus. It belongs to Him. He made it and He holds the future firmly in the palm of His hands. What does that mean for us? Well, it means, believers, that we do not need to be afraid. How many times did you hear Jesus say that to his disciples? He's saying it again today to his church. You do not need to be afraid. We are not victims of society, but we are part of a kingdom where Jesus reigns. Things are okay, not because I say they're okay or because you say they're okay. Things are okay because Jesus is Lord. And he is with us right now. Friends, take another look at Jesus. This is the one who is the Lion of Judah. This is the one who is the Root of David. This is the one who is the Lamb of God who was slain but is now alive and standing. This is the one who has prevailed over death and the grave. This is the one worthy to hold the future in his hand. And let me introduce you to him. His name is Jesus. And so this wraps up chapter 5. It ends in this dramatic fashion where Jesus takes the scroll. And heaven explodes with worship and glory and sound. Chapter 6, verse 1. It begins with him opening that first of seven seals. Let's read it. It says now, in chapter 6, verse 1. Now, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. Friends, this was a verse that over the past weeks, when I read it, something like fire started burning inside my soul. And I know there's eschatology in these passages, but I want to remind everyone watching today that the book of Revelation is first and foremost a book of worship. And then warfare. And so this morning, I want to keep our focus on Jesus, on worshiping him. So let's start by reiterating something. That Jesus, as the Lamb of God, is worthy to open the scroll, to break its seals, and to reveal the future. Now watch this. In chapter 6, Jesus opens the first six seals. Opens one. Opens two, three, four, five, six. Then in chapter seven, there's a pause. But in chapter eight, Jesus opens the final seal, and there is silence in heaven for 30 minutes. Complete silence. Now, I know 30 minutes may not sound like a long time, but I want you to, again, have a picture of heaven, a place full of energetic power, a place where there is eternal activity. There's worship and praise. There has been explosions of sound and glory and blessings and honor being given as tribute. But suddenly, there is silence. I mean, what would that be like?
Okay, that's 30 seconds. In the middle of a message, if I went much longer, I mean, some people would wonder if I'm okay. But just imagine heaven and all of its wonder, all of its activity, all of the praise and the worship and the glory and the blessing, all of the power, all of those things. Imagine when the seventh seal is open, there is silence for 30 minutes in heaven. Now, what's the cause of that? Well, most simply, it's because what follows is so shocking. It involves the trumpet blasts. It involves thunderings. It involves the pouring out of bowls. And you may be, well, what exactly does that look like? Friends, let me tell you, just give you a peek. It's the earth is going to face earthquakes like it's never since before. There are going to be darkness. There's going to be water turning to blood. Huge hailstorms and stones falling from the sky. Nasty sores breaking out in the sin. And great terror all over the earth. And yet I read that. And something inside of my heart begins to leap. And you may say, Stephen, how when you look at that, can your heart begin to soar? Well, it goes back to Revelation 6, verse 1. Let's just read it again. It says, now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, come and see. Let me put it to you how it occurred to me. If this Lamb... If this Jesus could hold the future in his hands, if he could be the, the jurisdiction, the oversight of stars falling from heaven, from mountains becoming like plains, if he could be the one who could overwatch hordes of locusts, if he could be the one who deals with the storms and the earthquakes and all the things that make people fear, if he can handle all of that in his hands, then he can take care of me right now with the coronavirus. Let me put it to you a different way. If he is the only one mighty enough to prevail over the grave and death, if he is the only one worthy enough to take the scroll, if he is the only one powerful enough to preside over the future, then he is mighty enough. He is worthy enough. He is powerful enough to keep his eye on you. Amen. Friends, the God of the Bible is awesome. And there is power in the name of Jesus today. And I'm very much aware that by the power of the Holy Spirit, his anointing can go right through these cameras, into your living room, through your computer screens. It can go places that we never even imagined. Why? Because if you need help this morning, you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like how my mom put it to me last night. She just, she went straight back to the book and she found Ephesians and she said, Stephen, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now listen, he's got this and he's got you and he has all of it in the palm of his mighty hand. Friends, this is good news today. Are you anxious? Well, this is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the one with eyes of fire and the countenance of the burning sun that we see in Revelation 1. 
Are you fearful today? He is the lion of Judah, the root of David, the lamb who was slain but is now alive and standing as revealed in chapter 5. Are you overwhelmed today? Well, he is the one who holds the future in the palm of his hand. He is the faithful and true victor, crowned with many crowns as revealed in chapter 19. And the revelation of Jesus Christ is much bigger than that. This is Jesus, the one worthy to take, the one worthy to open the scroll. But there's another idea that I want to close with from chapter 6, verse 1. Let's reread it. Now, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. Oh, I just want this to come out of me. Like the devotional that I was having that kind of started the whole thing towards building this message. I just, I read that and I read those words at the end. Come and see. And it was like something inside of me started to scream out. This is a prophetic word for the church today. Come and see. When you see in chapter 6, he opens up the first seal and a voice says, come and see. In chapter 6, he opens up a second seal and the cry comes out, come and see. He opens up in chapter 6 a third seal and the cry comes out, come and see. He does it again with the fourth seal and the voice comes out, come and see. Friends, come and see. For Catch this. John in this verse, now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. Catch, just catch this. John was already looking at Jesus when the voice said, come and see. Let me say that again. John was already looking at Jesus when the voice said, come and see. Friends, for those of you today whose eyes are already on Jesus, there is a deeper calling that is sounding forth from the throne of heaven. And it says, come and see. Come and see the mighty works of God. Come and see the majesty and splendor of God. It's a prophetic call to go deeper, to look even more tightly. It's a call to fix our eyes on him. Friends, the truth is this. There is no way that we can take him all in with just one glance. We see this with the 24 elders, those around the throne. It says that when they look at him, it says when worship begins to go up, that they fall off their thrones and they begin to just prostrate themselves before the Lamb and they begin to worship Him. And what happens? They begin to raise themselves up and then they catch a new glimpse of Him and they fall back down because it's just as glorious as the one before. And this goes on forever and ever and ever in heaven. Friends, right now, today, this very moment, it's time for us to keep looking it's time for us to keep beholding. It's time for us to keep coming and seeing. I was reminded this week of something that, that dad asked once. And maybe you'll remember him saying this, but this is the question. And I feel like it's a word for the church today. When was the last time you were caught up in the spirit? 
When was the last time you got lost looking into the face of Jesus? When was the last time you were lost in the glory of his presence and time became irrelevant as you begin to open up your heart in true worship? Friends, that's our assignment right now. Oh, to be caught up in the Spirit. Oh, to have our eyes fixed upon the face of Jesus. And even though we see him, to hear the cry, to come and see, to come and see the mighty workings of God, to come and see the mighty character and nature of God, and to come and to throw ourselves at his feet and to bow down and cry out, Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. This morning, you want to move from your earthly hopelessness into wholeness? Get your eyes off the things around you and begin to lift your gaze upwards and fix your eyes on Jesus. I feel like with all the things going on in the earth right now, with all the anxiety and the fear-mongering, I feel like with all the different opinions that are being spread by the gazillions around the place, that the enemy is trying to so overwhelm our heart that we can't get enough of social media. We can't get enough of the news. We can't get enough of this and then that. And yet there's a call coming from the heart of the Father. Come and see. Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes above and not below. Friends, you want to move from hopelessness to wholeness? It begins by looking up and seeing Jesus. You want to move from fear to faith? It starts by listening up. Dad used to say this, if you want to hear what the voice of God is saying, and friends, let me just be very clear about this. The voice of God is speaking loudly today. It's not where is God right now. What is he saying? If you will come and see, if you will fix your eyes on Jesus, if you will be caught up in the spirit, as you look, you will hear. That's what happened to John. John saw, and then he heard. I want to make a final call this morning. I told, I told uh, my mom, I said, Mom, I, I, I mean, I'm going to try to pull five different messages and pull them all into one, but I hope something here today is, is like a nugget, something that's setting things on you in fire. I don't know what we're doing with this time. I know there are challenges, but friends, we have time to seek the Lord. I hear people saying, could this be a time for revival? Could it be coming? Yes, but it starts with you. It starts with me. It's not somebody else's job for revival. It's our job. We're the ones who have to get our eyes upward. We're the ones who have to get our face downward. We're the ones to fix them on him and to cry out, worthy, 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 and to be lost with him for hours. That's what's burning in my heart. That's when I see chapter 6 that he saw and still the call was to come and see even more. Oh, let's not get satisfied with just one glimpse and then be distracted by the things of the world. Pray today in your homes, God, give us a holy hunger and a holy fire to know you more, to open up our eyes to comprehend the scriptures. Look at chapter 6, verse 1, and I see how worthy he is and how mighty he is, how valiant he is. If you're watching this this morning, 
if this may be the first time you've ever looked at Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him, but something is burning inside you right now, that now is the time. It doesn't matter to me if this is the first time you've ever heard a gospel message, or it doesn't matter if you've been warming a pew for 60 years. Before the Lord, do you know him? Are you assured that your sins have been forgiven? And that your name is written in this Lamb's book of life. That you would be with him forever. That relationship that comes when you make that decision will not just transform your eternity. It will change your situation right now. You'll have hope because you know you'll have a future. If that's you this morning and you would like to say, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. The one who has prevailed over death and the grave. The one who's prevailed over my sin and my sorrow, my separation from God. If that's you and you want to pray that, just pray with me. Jesus, I acknowledge that I am lost without you. And I pray this morning that you would come and fill my heart afresh and anew. Would you wash me and cleanse me from my sin? Lord, would you take my past? Lord, thank you that you died on a cross the lamb slain. Thank you that you rose again and that you are exalted and that you are the one who holds the future in your hands. I want you to hold my future in your hands. So Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross just for me. Lord, I want to confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ, you are Lord. I want to join with the angels and the throne room in declaring that you are worthy. Come. Be my Lord and Savior. Come, take me by the hand and lead me through every moment of every hour, of every day, of every week, every month, every year, Lord Jesus, until it's over. God, I just want to bless you in Jesus' name. Friends, if you prayed that, would you please reach out here to the pastors of Bethesda? Their team will reach out to you, and they'll begin to help you as you come alive more and more on Jesus. Just remember, always keep your eyes on him. Friends, if you have a relationship with him, the prophetic word to the church today is you may already be looking at him, but come and see the mighty works of God. Come and see the majesty of Jesus because he's worthy. God bless you.